please take your seats. It's good to see you on the day of Pentecost. But every Sunday, every day is the day of Pentecost, isn't it? If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galilee sorry, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judah and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sun will be darkened into darkness sorry the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the lord shall come and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved what a wonderful story of the birthday of the church and you know here we are on the day of Pentecost and people are celebrating Pentecost in churches up and down the country and not only are we celebrating the birth of Pentecost but here we are in a Pentecostal church. We're part of an Elim Pentecostal movement and we were born out of this chapter if you like. Just over a hundred years or so the Pentecostal revival, the second outpouring, the latter rain was poured out. And since that time, revival has been going all the way around the world in different places, in different seasons. And so when we come to the day of Pentecost, it is important to spend some time reflecting, 
on what it means to be Pentecostal and reflecting on what this day meant in the history of the world. You know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It was his great commission. He gave us the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, and he gave us the great command to love one another as he has loved us. And he had trained the disciples for three years, and they'd done many things in his name. They'd cast out demons. They'd healed the sick in his name. And he'd been with them all along. It was his presence with them. He sent them out. And now he said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another paraclete, another counselor to you, one of the same kind, just like me, the Holy Spirit. And he'll bring remembrance to you, the things that I have said. And he will teach you all things. And so the Holy Spirit was going to be sent in place of Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit was going to come and be Jesus to the disciples. He was going to come. And when they had the Spirit, they would have the Son. And where they have the Son, they have the Father. Uh, But Jesus said to them, I don't want you going out yet. I want you to remain in Jerusalem until, Luke tells us, you are clothed with power from on high. And so we have the disciples, they're there in the upper room, and they're forbidden, incredible, and forbidden to go and uh, begin the Great Commission. They're forbidden. They're not to do it. They're not ready to do it. They have to wait until they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we've just read about in Acts of the Apostles. And this is really important because without the Spirit, we can do nothing. And even Jesus himself modeled this to us. For 30 years, he didn't do any great miracle. I mean, we don't know much of his childhood, do we? I mean, we know of that time in, the great, uh, in Jerusalem when he was left behind by his parents because he was speaking to the scholars in the temple about the word of God. And we know that he grew in obedience to his parents. He was obedient to his parents and he grew in stature and wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. And that's all we know about him. He was the son of God. He is the son of God. He is God himself at any time. I mean, Jesus could have started ministering at four years old if he'd chosen or earlier. He could have started praying for the sick, miracles. It's wonderful here in our children's ministry at Kensington Temple that as soon as, soon as the kids can pray, they're taught to. As soon as the kids can speak, they're taught to pray. As soon as they understand, they're taught to minister to one another and, 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 and evangelize and everything, young children. But Jesus didn't do any of that. He was modeling something. And that it was only when he went out to be baptized with John that he had his own, if you like, personal Pentecost, if I can put it that way. And uh, when he came out to the water, we know that the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Straight after that, that's when it all began. He went into the wilderness to face the devil in the power of the Holy Spirit. And out of the wilderness, he began three years of Holy Ghost ministry. He was God. He could have done it without the Spirit, but he chose to do it with the Spirit. And so Jesus modeled what it was like to to wait in obedience for the coming of the Spirit. Even Jesus himself did not minister without the Spirit. So when he said to the disciples, I want you to go, I want you to wait... He was showing them how the ministry of the church was to be done. It was to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if the disciples had uh, got a little bit bored in that upper room and said, you know what, let's not wait. Let's not wait. 
until we're clothed with power on high. Let's go out and do it. After all, we, we, we did it before, didn't we? We went into the villages, bam, but Jesus was with them, you see. He was there with them. Oh, we can go. What would have the day of Pentecost been if the Holy Spirit had not been poured out and then they came out of the doors of that upper room and they said, right, okay, we're about to start. Do you think 5,000 people would have got saved? Imagine if they'd done it without Pentecost. Uh, do you think Peter would have spoken and done what he did? Do you think that the crowds would have even noticed them? Do you think they would have spoken other tongues and that the, the people from all the way around the world would begin to hear in their own language the glory of God and the praise of God? None of these things would have happened. They would have just been a religious movement like so many religious movements before them and so many religious movements after them. There's many religious movements that seek to proselytize, many religious movements that seek to, to gain disciples. But this wasn't a religious movement. This was a movement born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I don't want you to go out naked, spiritually naked. I want you to go out clothed, with the Holy Spirit. That's what I want you to do. And the Holy Spirit in those few moments transformed them. Transformed them. Their lives and ministries were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit upon them, clothed in the Holy Spirit, cloaked in the Holy Spirit, coated in the Holy Spirit, that when they went out to do the Great Commission, that people began to see that there was something different about these spirit-filled people. God was on them and God was in them. And it was powerful and it was supernatural. It was not natural. Sometimes we get mixed up and we think that the supernatural must also always be the sensational. The supernatural can be sensational, but sometimes it's not sensational at all. But people will recognize a spirit-filled believer. God wants us to be spirit-filled believers. You know, we can go on in the Christian life or seem to go on in the Christian life without the charismatic anointing of the Holy Spirit. Many Christians do. Many Christians live. They're Christians, but they live a moral life, not a, spirit, no, not a spirit-filled life. Uh, they, they, obey the, they try and obey the commands of the law. They try and live a decent life. They come to church on Sundays, but there's something lacking. Uh, they've come out without the clothing of power that God wants on their lives. Let me ask you, are you clothed with power from on high? Maybe you were once, but today, are you clothed with power upon high? Is there something upon you? Is there, is there the tongues of fire upon you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, filled with him. Are you led by the Spirit? Are you so affected by the Spirit that somebody could look at you and say, what is going on in that person's life? Because this was what was taking place on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was being poured out upon them. And they were so filled, they began to speak in other tongues. You know, speaking in other tongues is such a wonderful sign gift. And look at the impact speaking in tongues had on that day. It was a sign gift. As they came out, they spoke in tongues. They didn't know what they were speaking. They just spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. They didn't know they were speaking other languages. But what they were doing under the anointing, 
people were understanding. They were hearing these tongues in their own language. Do you know, the early Pentecostals in the United States of America, in the early times, when they believed that when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, many of them were believing God for the tongue of the nation that they were sent to. And uh, whatever tongue that was, and you know, sometimes it happened. I mean, it's the sovereignty of God. Sometimes they would speak and they would have a language from another nation. It would be recognized. Not that they would continue in that language, but they would be recognized. And they would pick up their stuff and they would go. They would go. Because they understood that Pentecost was mission. Pentecost was all about the world. It wasn't like they were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell and, they, and, the, and there was a noise like a rushing wind, and they said, quick, shut all the doors and the windows, or the neighbors are going pl- to complain. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit was poured out and had a wonderful time together, speaking in tongues all over the place, looking like drunk people, so affected by the power of the Holy Spirit, so accompanied by the Holy Spirit, and they had a wonderful time in the upper room. And then when it lifted, they went home and said, see you next Sunday night for another day of Pentecost. On the contrary, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that compelled and impelled them to come out of that room and into the world. What happened in that room was not just for them. It wasn't just for them to have an experience with God. But it was the beginning of the mission of the church. It was the birthday of the church. And the Holy Spirit thrust them. And it was the first moments of Christian mission. And from that moment, the Holy Spirit has been coming upon people and sending them out in mission all over the world. But it's not by might. It's not by power. It is by God's Spirit. It shall be in these last days that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. God wants to change us into different people. God wants to use us And that by the anointing on our lives, people begin to see that there's something special about us. We are carrying the Holy Spirit. And the devil wants to dampen this. He wants to make us think, well, you know, we're Christians. There's other religions. There's no real difference. or there's not much difference. But we have to release the power of the Holy Spirit by faith. By faith. You see, the Holy Spirit comes where he sees faith. He moves where he sees faith. And faith activates the Holy Spirit in new levels in our lives. And so when we believe God, when we believe that the Holy Spirit is with us, guess what? He is with us. When we believe God for a filling of the Holy Spirit, guess what? He fills us. You, you can't separate faith from the moving of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. And so we have The power of the Holy Spirit available for us. But it's like electricity. Electricity is available for us. We have a national grid. But if you don't plug something into the socket and plug in to the national grid and switch on, then all that power that's available for you won't do anything. Won't do anything. And it's the same with faith. Faith plugs you in and switches you into the, it switches on the current of the Holy Spirit through your life. That's what it does. And faith, without faith, we can't please God. What is faith? Faith is believing that God is going to use you. Faith is believing that God is in you. Faith is believing 
that tomorrow when you get up and go to work or wherever you go, that God is with you and something's going to happen supernaturally. Supernaturally. Not just that the natural course of event is going to take place. Don't ever get to the place where you just live according to the natural course of event. That each week seems very similar to the last week. That every day at work or college or wherever you go is very similar. Don't live like that. Live in expectation. In expectancy. Because expectancy releases the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to renew our minds. And to believe that every day can be a, a, a Pentecost. Now, the thing about being in a Pentecostal church and being called Pentecostal is that what can happen is that you can begin to get, begin to get used to that label. And what can happen is we can begin to do the acts of Pentecost without the power of Pentecost. I mean, it can happen in every aspect. And what was power and the Holy Spirit can become just another form of godliness, a Pentecostal form of godliness. So, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit can come upon a man or a woman when they're praying and a great urgency and intensity comes out of their mouth. And it could be that like in the book of Acts, they lift their voices loudly and there's a moving of the Spirit in powerful prayer. But I've been in prayer meetings where one of the prayer people has taken the microphone and immediately began to pray in a loud voice as if the Spirit was there, but the Spirit wasn't there. It's so funny how the Holy Spirit can do something once or twice. And then in our mind, our flesh, do you know, do you know what? The flesh loves to mimic the Spirit. Your flesh loves to mimic the Spirit. It says, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. It's like... If it's not clothed with the Spirit, what's the point? You can pray a loud prayer, a passionate prayer, but if it's not clothed in the Holy Spirit, it's useless. You can, pray, you can play wonderful worship with great songs and get everybody clapping and dancing and jumping, but guess what? If it's not clothed with the Spirit, if it's not Spirit-coated, it's meaningless and it's nonsense. And the flesh is very, very good at counterfeiting the Spirit, and you have to be alert in your life, very alert, because the flesh is very clever, and it's very clever at deceiving ourselves. Like Samson in the old King James Version, who had, been, who had been so used to moving in the Spirit that he just assumed that everything he did would be in the Spirit. And one day he wist not, or he knew not, that the Spirit had left him. Pentecostal... Uh, the Pentecostal revival that's been going on for the last hundred or so years has touched places all around the world and it's still as alive, but also it's left in its wake shells of the Spirit, relics of the Spirit, monuments to a bygone move of God. I could take you into Pentecostal churches in, in this nation and the world where you would be absolutely amazed that they dare call themselves Pentecostal. In fact, you could take them to the trading standency agency for trading under a false name. But you know what? If you told them that, they would think that you were a joke. Why? Because they wist not that the Spirit had left them. They assumed that the Spirit was still moving on them. They assumed that their loud tambourines and their jumping up and down meant that the Holy Spirit was, is with them. This is where faith comes. 
One of the most important things is that we're fresh to the Spirit every day and at every service. We're fresh to it. Otherwise, we will fall in. We will fall in to a mode of religious charismatic. And you know, I've seen it. I've seen it in some of the big conferences. I've seen it on television where I can predict exactly what's going to happen. Where the congregation has an expectation of a certain style of preaching. A certain style called spirit-filled preaching. Which usually means that the preacher ends up in some sort of high state of ecstasy. And people are standing on their chairs and waving their handkerchiefs. Hey, do you know what? That's okay if the spirit's in it. But it gets a bit boring when the spirit decides to do it every service. Every week, every week, every week, every year, every year, and nothing's really happening in people's lives. It's a form of godliness. It's a form of power, but denies it. One of the, one of the, the greatest things that you must do is crucify the flesh. And it's not just about crucifying the flesh. Because if all you do is crucify the flesh, then what, what good is that? You crucify the flesh to become alive to the spirit. That's what you do. You keep, and this is what, where faith kicks in. Where you say, Lord, you know, today's a new day. Today's a new day. I will not be limited by yesterday or what happened last time or last week. I will not be limited by what I ex- how I expect you to move and in what manner I expect you to move. You see, on the day of Pentecost, they didn't know what was going to happen. They had no idea. They had this sort of sense of waiting on the Lord. They didn't know how the Lord was going to move. Who, who would have ever predicted that, that, that what took place would took place on that day, on the day of Pentecost? In their minds, do you think they ever thought they'd be speaking in tongues? They didn't even know what speaking in tongues was. In their mind, do you think that they think that they'd be speaking in a new heavenly language that others would hear and say, oh... That, that, that's my language. Did they think 5,000 people were going to get saved? Did they think that they would be accused of being drunk at that type in the morning? No. But what there was was an openness and an expectation that God would come upon their lives. And that's what we need more than ever. The message on the day of Pentecost is reach out to the Holy Spirit by faith. Believe, don't get in a rut, a spiritual rut. Don't get in a spiritual rut, but be open to new things and new experiences. Be open to the quiet move of the Spirit as well as the loud move. Be open. Just, just be expectant. Lord, you know, this is a new week. I wonder what's going to happen. You know, the Holy Spirit has to coat everything that we do. He has to, or, it, or it's used, it's like, let me give you, it's like Bible reading. I have a daily Bible reading plan. But I know that in a daily Bible reading plan, if you're not clothed with the Spirit, if the Spirit doesn't come on your daily bright, it's useless. It's a waste of time. It's just head knowledge. It's meaningless. And sometimes in the past, when, when I would do Bible reading, it would just become something, it, it wouldn't edify me. And then I'd miss a few chapters, and then I'd have to catch up and I'd be rushing through and just to try and catch up, and then and it would all go wrong as an exercise. But I've, I've learned that when I go to the Word of God each day, and I don't, and some days, you know, I miss my Bible reading. Do you know that? Can I confess my sins to you? Some days I miss my Bible reading. And what do I do? Well, I catch up. And if I'm too busy and I've missed a couple of Bible readings, 
then I'm not going to fall into the trap of like reading 20, 30 chapters and getting nothing out of it just to prove a point. What will I do? I'll go to the day's Bible reading and carry on like that. I can't hand on heart tell you that every single day of the year I read my Bible portion. But what I can tell you is I read my, my Bible on a regular basis most days. And you know, that, that's not legalistic, that's, that, but that's spiritual. And I've, ta I, I, I've taught myself that when I go to the Word of God, I expect to get something. I expect something to be, I expect the Holy Spirit. I'm in anticipating and I'm coming to the Word of God on that daily reading, believing for something supernatural to happen. I'm not saying that every day I get a word, you know, a rhema word. doesn't always work like that. I'm just expecting the Holy Spirit to move through his word. And so when I do my daily Bible reading, and I'm there, my heart's open, and I'm expectant, and I'm reaching out in faith as I read this passage, something's going to happen. I don't know what, quite, you know. And, you know, it edifies me. It builds me up. And sometimes I do get that rhema word, that highlight leaping out of the Bible. And Bible reading, I can honestly say... My daily Bible reading, yes, I miss it here and there. Not often, but I do miss it. And I want you to know that. It's because I want you to read your Bible and not give up. I do miss it here and there, but mostly I don't miss it. And it's a delight to me because I'm fellowshipping, because the Word becomes living and active. But if it doesn't, how does it become living and active? The Holy Spirit comes upon it. If it's not living and active, it's dead. I also know what it is to read the Bible uh, as the dead letter, without the Spirit. I remember doing an A-level in John's Gospel, where I wasn't even born again. Studying the Bible, there wasn't drop, one drop of anointing on it, didn't even know what the anointing was. And it amazes me how I read John's Gospel, I wrote essays on John's Gospel, and it was all in my head, but it never touched my heart. And then when I got born again, all of a sudden, things become alive to me. It's the same in prayer. In our prayer times, and you, you can, if, if you're not aware, you see, you just have to step back a second in what you're doing and say, Lord, I'm open to you. I think very often Pentecostals and Charismatics just they're like headless chickens running around, charging on. They don't stop and wait. You know, don't stop and wait and say, wait a second, wait, wait. They had to wait. They had to wait in the upper room. They had to wait. Jesus had to wait. He didn't have to. He chose to wait. Waiting is very important. I'm not talking about waiting for days and weeks. I'm just talking about waiting on the Lord. Those few moments of waiting on the Lord can put you in the framework where you don't miss him, where you hear what he's in. Do you remember Elijah when he really needed to hear from the Lord and he was in that cave? I mean, he was waiting on the Lord and all sorts of crazy, sensational things were happening outside the cave. There was, there was like gale force winds. There was thunder and lightning, all sorts of crazy things. But you know what? He just waited. He waited for the connection. He waited for, to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And then when it was quiet, he connected. That connection. Sometimes I do think Mary Charismatics don't connect with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit may make the best of it, but that's not what he wants. He wants a connection. You connect with the Holy Spirit by faith. Faith connects with the Holy Spirit. Faith 
That, that is the cable through which the Holy Spirit flows into your, into your life. And so here they were on the day of Pentecost. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And they're out there preaching the gospel. They're affected. They're being changed. And people can see a difference in your life. Do you know, if you're a spirit-filled believer, someone's going to see a difference in your life. And, that doesn't mean, and that's not necessarily that you're going to work tomorrow shouting in tongues. And they see a difference in you. Oh, you must be. But if the Holy Spirit is filling you, then people are going to notice that you're different. You're different. If you are filled with the Spirit and attempting to follow the commandment of love, then you're going to be very different to the people around you in the workplace. And the Holy Spirit wants to speak in a language that those people can understand. I mean, they went out there and they were speaking in tongues, but the Holy Spirit took those speaking in tongues and he made it in the language of every person that was there. No, it may have been a crazy time this day of Pentecost, but people from every nation were hearing and understanding the goodness of God. This is what happens when you're spirit-filled. You begin, uh, you begin to make sense to people that are around you. And not always by words, sometimes by deeds. When the Holy Spirit is in you and you go into workplace, you have to understand you're clothed with the Holy Spirit. And people... They might not know what's happening, but people are going to respond to that. They're going to, they're going, they're going to, you know, they're going to see something in you, something on you that's there. When you go into the workplace, when you go into your neighborhood, you are different. You're clothed with power from on high. And that power might not be sensational, but it's supernatural. And just if you have the right fruit, you see the fruit of the Spirit works with the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is as supernatural as any of the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of patience is as supernatural as the gift of miracles. Um, the, the, the fruit of, um, of, of peace is as supernatural as the gift of prophecy. It's one package. It's one Spirit. And God is calling on us to be Spirit-filled we talk about being filled with the Spirit, and we're going to pray for everybody to be filled with the Spirit today. Because the Bible commands us, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians. Speaking and singing in heavenly songs. To be clothed and to be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. Not to pretend to be filled with the Spirit. I'll say that again. Not that you would consciously pretend to. I don't, none of you would. But not to, pre, not to think that we're filled with the Spirit but to actually be filled with the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? It's a command. We don't have to wonder whether God's going to fill us tonight. Oh, God, I hope you fill me with your Spirit tonight. He's commanded us to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. Be filled. It's a command. Oh, well, I want to be filled, but I don't know if the Holy Spirit will fill me. No, no, no. It's not down to him. Well, it is down to him, but really it's down to you to make the connection. Get filled with the Spirit. What do you mean? I have the power... To be filled with the Spirit, you can have the faith to be filled with the Spirit. And if you've got the faith, you'll be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. It's faith that fills you with the Spirit. It's making that connection. It's plugging yourself in to the current and saying, I will be filled with the Spirit tonight. Say, to you, say, say it out loud after me. I will be filled with the Spirit tonight. Say it tonight, but say it Say it and, and believe through your word. Let those words 
contain faith. Say it after me. I will be filled with the Spirit tonight. Exactly. Our words are containers. Do you know that? They are containers. And you hear people say, oh, they're empty words. You ever heard that phrase? They're empty words. What does it mean? It means whatever the person's talking about, it doesn't have the power to do it. You know, so some tin pot dictator from some small little country says he's going to like, I'm going to destroy America. And they say those are empty words. Why? Because he doesn't have the power or ability to do what he says. They're empty. But words are containers and they can be empty, but they can also be filled. Words can be filled with faith. God's words are always filled with faith. And so when you speak in prayer, when you just spoke that, I will be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can speak, you can say that sentence, I will be filled with the Holy Spirit in many different ways, can't you? I mean, you can say, oh, I will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not even thinking about it. Or, oh, preachers told me I will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's do, I will be filled. Or you can actually say it with faith. You've got the faith. You can actually fill it and say, I will be filled with the Spirit tonight. And when you say it like that, Something shifts. Faith meets the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, expectancy, you know that the Holy Spirit is going to fill you tonight. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. They say, oh, I wonder how I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Will my hands shake? Will I be filled with the Holy Spirit if I end up on the floor? What will, will I be filled with the Holy Spirit if I have goosebumps? Ah, if we start thinking like that, we're already getting back into religious mode, aren't we? We're determining by past experience or by what we think how a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I know people that if they don't fall under the power, they don't think they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. If they don't have some sort of sensation, they don't, they don't believe that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But how is a person filled with the Holy Spirit? By faith. By faith. That first time when you came forward to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was all about believing that if you ask God for a good thing, the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you. And when people come forward to be prayed for, to speak in tongues for the first time and be filled with the Spirit for the first time, those that believe receive. It really is that simple. Those that believe receive. And the only people I've found that don't receive, are the, and, you can, and you speak to them, they have no intention of speaking in tongues. No intention. No intention. I know some people, probably in this place today, you, you've been filled with the Spirit, but you refuse to speak in tongues. You say, no, no, I don't refuse to speak in tongues, I just can't speak in tongues. No, you refuse to speak in tongues. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say the Holy Spirit will force you to speak in tongues. The Bible says, you will speak in other tongues. And if you remember the first time, those of you that do speak in tongues, the first time you spoke in tongues, you had to like, by faith, begin to speak, didn't you? It was like, you had to begin to speak because you'd never done this before. I mean, when I was first prayed for to speak in tongues, I didn't understand. I, I, I literally thought, thought that the Holy Spirit would come into my mouth and waggle my tongue and make a noise. That's what I thought. So when I'm standing there and the elders are praying for me, you know, it wasn't going to end up like it should. Because in my mind, the Holy Spirit was going to do it. 
And if he wanted to do it, that was fine by me. And I was not resisting. But And then the elders were saying, just you know, speak it out. Speak it out. And I thought, why? So I wasn't, you know, I didn't understand. And I said a few words. And I thought, well, that was just me. Why? Because I didn't believe. I didn't believe. That was just me. I remember going, that was just me. And then a week or two later, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm in the privacy of my room. I think I'll just have another go at that stuff. And I began to do it a bit more. And I began to do it a bit more. And after a while, I began to realize, that's not me. I am speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit giving me a language. But you see, the blockage was faith. You see, the Holy Spirit was there. He was filling me, but... I had a block in my mind. I was, I, not, not that I, was, I wasn't bad or anything. I just didn't believe. And when they said speak, I didn't believe. And so if you're prayed for tonight to speak with tongues for the first time, believe. believe. Have enough faith to know, number one, that if you're a Christian here tonight, God wants to fill you with the Spirit. There's no doubt in his mind. You're not the special one. You're not the special one out of all the history of Christianity. You're not the special one that God doesn't want to fill with the Spirit. You're not the special one. Out of everybody in, the, in, the, in, the, in church history, you're not the special one that God doesn't want to bless with tongues. You're not that special. Amen? You're just like the rest of us. And some people say, well, you know, the Bible says some have tongues and some have healing. and some, Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Though the gifts of the Spirit aren't even for you, they're through you for others. So if I was to speak in a 1 Corinthians tongue, then it would need interpretation if, if I was ministering to you. But there's two types of tongues. And that's the problem with the Corinthians, is that they were using their personal tongue in a church service and addressing each other as if it was a gift of the Spirit for the church tongue. The gifts of the Spirit are to edify the church personal tongues is to edify yourself. So they were doing this. They were coming to the microphone and instead of preaching, they were just speaking in tongues to people. Speaking in If I got up and spoke in tongues to you for 40 minutes, I'd be really blessed at the end of it. You wouldn't. If it was my personal tongues. And, and Paul was saying, look, I know you speak in tongues. And he said this to the crazy Corinthians. He said, you think you're good at speaking in tongues. And you're speaking to us. I speak more than you all. So even these excessive, obsessive Corinthians who weren't even preaching, they were just speaking in tongues at one another. Paul says, well, I do it more than all of you. But I'd prefer we had five words that could edify. Now, when we're all praising the Lord and speaking in tongues together, that's perfectly acceptable. Because we're all being edified. And uh, God, when he baptized in the Holy Spirit... He wants us to speak in tongues. He wants you, and you have, but you have to believe. You have to believe. And also a message to those of us that do speak in tongues. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Uh, is your tongue still from God? Are your tongues still from the Lord? What do you mean? Well, he gave you those words when you first started. Don't you think he's going to add some new ones? I mean, if you begin speaking in tongues... By faith, shouldn't we continue to speak in tongues by faith? Or shall we just say the same words over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? 
and have a little vocabulary of six or seven Hebrew words, Hebrew-sounding words, five or seven Chinese-sounding words, and I'm speaking in tongues, strange tongues. You know, sometimes you can hear. You know who's coming down the corridor by the tongues, because it's the same thing. Now, if the Lord, the Lord could give you one word that you say over and over again. I accept that, but that would be the Lord. But I'm saying is that every time you speak in tongues, you should be like you're doing it for the first time. If the Lord wanted to speak in a diverse tongue, because it is diversities of tongues, if he wanted to speak in a different style or or different types of words, are you really open to that? Are you really open? Look at your tongues life. You're speaking in tongues over the last year. Does it denote somebody that is coming for the, almost like, again, each time you speak in tongues, it's like, whatever you want to speak, you do it, Lord. I'll, I'll speak, but you give me the words. Or has our flesh and our mind recorded the shimmy, shimmy shoe that God first gave us, and that's playing it back? Shimmy, shimmy shoe, shimmy, 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 shimmy shoe, shimmy, shimmy shoe. What if God wants to say something different? You know what I'm saying? I'm open to the fact that God might not want to say something different. But are you open to the fact that he might want to say something different? Because if you're not, then is that really speaking in tongues? And is it really exciting just doing that? No, 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 no. Every time you speak in tongues, you should be like, I don't know what I'm going to say in the next few minutes. I don't know what I'm going to say in the next few moments. I'm just going to open my mouth. I'm going to speak. I don't know what's going to come out. I'm quite nervous about it because I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, you see, faith meeting the Spirit. Faith meeting the Spirit. So we're going to open up the floor. We're just going to open up this place for a time of worship. If I could have the, um, the, 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 the worshipers back, singers back. And what we're going to do is going to get the, get, get the team here at the front. And we're just going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't speak in tongues, then tonight you will. You will. And say to yourself, I will speak in tongues tonight. And I will be filled with the Spirit tonight. And believe it, and you will. You will. God's, God's grace. And we're going to open up the floor. And those of you that have never spoken in tongues for the first time, we're going to pray for you. And then as we worship the Lord, we're going to be filled with the Spirit. And we're going to do that by faith. We're not just going to sing song. Not that you do. I'm not rebuking you tonight, by the way. I'm just saying let's not ever get to that place. I love the worship in this service. I love the faith in this service. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is what's amongst you. I'm just saying on the day of Pentecost, let's be fresh. Let's be as fresh as they were. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Let's believe God for a touch of the Almighty. We're going to pray for anybody who wants to be filled because sometimes the laying on of hands imparts an anointing and we're just going to spend the rest of this service being filled with the spirit who knows maybe on the day of Pentecost like on the day of Pentecost God might give you a vision or a dream or a word or a prophecy who knows what the Holy Spirit's going to do maybe there'll be a quietness in your heart or maybe there'll be you know a blaze of glory on you let's not limit him let's not tell him what he's going to do But let's just say, Lord, in this place tonight, we open ourselves to you. And we say, Lord, touch us, fill us, do whatever you want, transform us. Do what you do so that when we leave this upper room tonight and go into the world, we'll be different. 
and people will expect something different. Can I ask the ministry team to come forward? We're going to stand together right now. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to invite you to come out for prayer and just spend some time in his presence and have a fresh personal Pentecost this evening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.